The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Why would they ban Volcanic Island? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, they finally got rid of the duels. Yeah. <laughs> the classic two-card combo of, of wear and tear and planes. <laughs> I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Planes Talkers Podcasting Network, and we made it to the end of the year. Matt, how are you doing? Not too bad. It's Tuesday, so I got my day off again. That was a little hairy last night, but came through and uh, still got the day off, so spent it playing Final Fantasy XI. Was up in my hometown for uh, the holidays over the weekend. Spent some time with my in-laws and my family, my parents. Sorry to hear that. It was fine. Everybody behaved themselves. We all had a good time. We ate way too much. I'm st- I I still had Christmas ham for breakfast this morning. Yep. <laughs> the I've, last of it. I've got Christmas pie waiting at home for dinner. Yep. So my dad, uh, he's got a recipe for what we call apple salad. And it is like one of my favorite desserts. It's basically just apples, grapes, and peanuts covered in like a Miracle Whip based sauce. So it's a little tangy and then it's got sugar in the sauce mm-hmm. to make it sweet. So good. And like. He only makes it in five pound batches. He buys five pounds of apples and he makes an enormous bowl of apple salad. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Yes. And so like, you know, I've probably over the past three days, three or four days, probably eaten like seven or eight apples worth of apples. You've been cranking more apples than you've eaten the entire year. Correct. I just, it tastes so good. It's <laughs> Matt. Matt is keeping the doctors away for the entire year. Yes, I'm just I get all my apples in on <laughs> in a one week period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't think that's how it works. But yeah, just spent the day uh, getting some work done on Final Fantasy 11. And uh, you were telling yeah. me that you could spend the next nine months playing the game and you would finish one character or it would take nine months of grinding to take a character from start to finish. Yeah. So like like if you were just kind of doing it step by step, like from where I'm at with like Red Mage. I could spend the next several months just getting the individual pieces of gear. Mm-hmm. Like most of that would be solo, but there are some stuff you have to group up for. Like the game literally won't even let you enter as a solo player. And then like for most classes in Final Fantasy XI, you want uh, like a relic or mythic weapon. Yeah. And those take anywhere between a month to six months to make that individual piece. of. Gear. Now, when they do it, they like they're incredibly powerful. Like they're designed to be like. They just, they, I mean, they do things. It's not like you just get bigger stats. Yeah. Like they do things that rework the way the mechanics of your uh, class works. So like one of them, the one one that people think of a lot, if you know this game, there's Bard who casts songs that are buffs for your players. They're mm-hmm. a support class. They can only have two songs active at any point in time. Their uh, relic weapon, whatever it's called, allows them to have four. Jesus. Yes. That's so, that sounds game breaking. It is. I mean, in... So like you get that. So when you have a, a, you know, a mythic bard or whatever it is, like the games, you're just playing a different game. <laughs> yeah. You go, oh, well, I, normally I would only have two buffs from this yep. guy. Instead, I have four. Well, like you said last week, there's just no reason to ever pick a character that isn't maxed out gear. If that's what maxed out gear gives you, if you're yeah. doubling up on your on some base stats in the game like that, where yeah. like a huge limitation is, you know, how many songs you'd be playing. Like throw that out the window. Yep. We're just going to we're going to have four instead of two. So that's. So uh, the one I'm looking at, it's not technically one of these weapons, but it effectively does the same thing. Uh, Red Mage gets the ability to buff itself. That's one of their things. They cast 
buffs on their other party members, but they also get even better buffs for themselves. One of them, they're called uh, their N spells, like E-N. So they cast N Thunder, and every time they hit, they deal thunder damage or lightning damage, right? Oh, okay, so it's kind of like buffing their weapon. Correct. They enchant their weapon. Yeah. Well, this weapon makes those that damage deal 500% more. Oh, my God. So you literally don't, you play the game differently. Like, oh, yeah. You go from, hey, these are just additional little damage as I'm hitting to I'm going to max out my mm -hmm. uh, enchantment damage, basically, and like beat face with thunder enchanted Jesus. swords. So that's currently the one I'm working towards because that build is super fun. That's not like in Dark Souls where the max level sword does an extra 80 points of damage over the next two one down. Well, that's one of the things that like the people who play this game, that's one of the reasons why we're still playing it. I need like 80 or 90 pieces of gear for my Red Mage because the way the game works is you can you can change equipment on the fly. Uh -huh. So like if I'm attacking and I want to cast a spell, I can hit my macro and it will put on the equipment that makes my spell casting better. Then I cast the spell and then I can swap back to my attacking. So game. we're just throwing out all idea of realism whatsoever. Yeah, so you're <laughs> it doesn't show it. You have what's called yeah. style lock where you always look the same. But yeah, you're just like, oh, I'm going to change shirts real quick. This is my spell casting shirt. This is the equivalent of. Hang on, dragon. I need to eat 10 wheels of cheese. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what it does do, and again, it's kind of funny when you talk about it like that, but it's it makes for incredibly deep and wide gameplay. Yeah. So like I want the current thing I'm working on today is I want to max my enhancing skill. So that makes the buffs I cast stronger. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, if I hit certain thresholds, like the one spell that I that's really powerful for Red Mage is called Temper. And it allows you to uh, do multi-attacks. So every time I swing, I have a chance to swing three times instead of one. Well, as my enhancing skill goes up, the odds of that happening with, when the, with that spell go up. Mm -hmm. So I want to get every single enhancing skill point I can on my piece of gear at the time I cast that. So I have to build an entire set of gear that just has max enhancing skill on it. And that's basically what I've been spending today doing. And you have the same thing for like when you're just attacking when you're casting those enchantment spells or you're doing your weapon skills, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like every individual thing you can do, the trick with Red Mage versus some other classes it is it can do everything. It's very much a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. So like my monk would have like 30 or 40 pieces of gear because I basically have a gear set up for a couple different weapon skills. And then while I'm building TP, which is just attacking. Well, Red Mage can cast spells, melee, do all buff itself, enfeeble enemies like it can do so much of the game that you just need every single piece of gear. So I basically picked one of the deepest classes to play this time. Yeah, that's a lot of work. I didn't realize that you had to grind up, you know, a dozen sets of armor yeah. to, to maximize the character. Usually you have, you know, one or two sets. If you're going to be running a spell build right now or a DPS build right now or a tank build right now, that's how most games run. Yep. You don't hot swap armor to maximize each individual thing you might do. Yep. And with Red Mage in particular, that's why you're playing that class is because you get to do all of those things. So it's very important that you actually have the gear form because mm -hmm. like, why would you play a class that's not as good as dealing damage in order to cast in feebles if your enfeebles don't work? Mm -hmm. Like you just, you just play a different class at that point, right? So there's just a lot to do. And so that's what I've been doing. How about you, Jake? So for Christmas for me, we did a lot of the same thing. We didn't have to go travel nearly as far, but we went and saw family. We pulled a double decker on Christmas day and went and saw my grandma and then went and saw my grandpa. Uh, just had a great time. We had two wonderful dinners where I like almost couldn't walk afterwards. Yep. I like I said, I still have ham. I still have pie. Still have tons of stuff in the fridge to eat. But I had a really good time getting to see my family. My grandma's getting kind of old. She's had um she had a pretty serious stroke a couple years ago, and she's really been kind of fighting her way through that. And you now she's 
getting up there. And so it's one of say we start really cherishing the time we have with her. Yeah. And we got to have, a, you know, one of our best Christmases ever, just where we were all sitting around and laughing and telling jokes and playing old games we used to play. And like some really good memories were made, spending some really good time with my grandma. And seeing grandpa was nice. Uh, he was spent mostly talking about how he's going to be doing his trip to Florida for the next couple months. <laughs> He's, it's getting cold. I'm getting yep. out. He's this is the first year where he's 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 hit the age where he can set his set stuff up to just leave Indiana for the six, seven worst weeks of the year. And as such, Sarah and I started talking about how we need to plan our vacation to Florida now because he's got an extra room down there so we can go bum a room off of him. Do it in February, dude. Like, yeah, February in Indiana sucks. That's uh, last year. We did it. We did it going into January. But yeah, we got to miss like three feet of snow. Yes. Over the course of the week. So we started talking about that. The couple days after we went and saw, I went and saw my in-laws and we all got together and had a really nice dinner at, um, there's a local pub in town they wanted to go to. Her brother came in from, from Oregon. So we just got together and had a really nice dinner. And that's been the majority of our, of our week is coordinating all these families and just getting everything to line up and get everywhere we need to be. Yep. My plan for this weekend, uh, I'm actually going to go up to South Bend with and hang out with the family gathering guys oh, there with yeah. Derek and Joe. Um, they've started teaching their kids how to play EDH, so we're going to be playing a lot of EDH. I'm really glad week. to know that I didn't get invited to that. Well, I can't invite you to other people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am I know for a fact Derek will listen to this, and I'm really glad to know I didn't get invited. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. So I see where the real friendships lie. So I've got a big-ass brisket. I'm going to take that up there, and uh, we're going to smoke it on Saturday and have that for... We'll probably get it going on Friday, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Joe's the, Joe does all the smoking, so gotcha, gotcha. Just get there. That's his responsibility. Hand it off to him, and have that for dinner, and so and just play a heck of a lot of EDH. Yeah, probably that'll be a, lot a little of fun. bit of popper. Playing EDH with a good set of people is probably one of the best things you can do in Magic. Just yep. get together and crank out some big old big old games at EDH. Yeah, and like I said, EDH EDH really reminds me of playing Magic at the lunch table again. Mm-hmm. And Derek and Joe were two of the guys I used to play with. So that's cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I joke. Uh, I know why I, like, I'm sure I would be invited if I asked, but like, this is your friend group. You guys grew up together. I don't actually get upset when I hear about and you. And there's running. only one bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. I call big spoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get going on our, uh, show today, I do want to give a shout out to the Plains Talkers podcast. We are proud members of the Plains Talkers podcasting network, and I always want to recommend everyone check out Will and Aramis if you're looking for anything standard or commander related. We actually just spent yesterday on their year in review episode where if you're not a part of the discord, you really missed out because they had a great big call in show where everyone got to that uh, come on the show and share their opinion and actually enter in a drawing for a collector booster box of Crimson Vow. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. They got to just roll the names and they'll be mailing that out in a couple of days. So if you guys want to check them out and be able to enter in some of those uh, events where they just give away boxes that and it happens almost every standard set, they give away a box some way, Yep. whether it be a MTG arena tournament or they just draw hats or they do little competitions. You should check out their discord at discord.plainsoccerspodcast.com. And while you're there, hit up our discord channel and say hello. And check out their Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash playing soccer's podcast where they live stream their shows on Monday and they actually play Spell Table Commander on Wednesdays. And if you join the Discord, you can even join them. They take basically anyone that wants to play. Usually patrons get a first stab at it, but they almost always save a few seats on Wednesday for non-patrons that just want to 
play some commander. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I had a great time last night. I think we had a very good discussion about, you know, just the year of magic. A lot of ups and downs this year. So yeah. we had a we had a lot of people call in and talk about some of the things they enjoyed, some of the things they were upset about. And we had a lot of like really constructive criticism and feedback for some of the things we, we didn't like. It wasn't just people yelling at the sky. It was people yeah. being like, I don't like this. I wish they'd done it this way. Stuff like that. So on that note, there's one thing I just thought about, but I guess I will give wizards a little bit of credit. And I, I, you always kind of know they're right in some, like they're making their decisions for a reason, right? Yep. But a couple of the guys were talking on there and they, they literally, the guys that we were talking to started playing magic because of the D and D set. Yep. And like, I've never met anyone whose wizards, their outreach kind of thing actually worked on. Uh Uh-huh. Like, normally it's like, well, I play Magic because my buddy taught me how to play. If you were watching the chat, um, we we probably had between 10 and 15 people come in and out of the chat. I want to say half of the people that I had seen were talking about how they had just gotten into Magic in the last, like, year. Yeah. where Whether it be Arena, whether it be D&D, something in the last year or so got these people either into Magic or back into Magic after a long hiatus. Like, a lot of the people we got to talk to were... We're very we're brand new to the idea of magic, and it kind of makes sense because they're a standard oriented podcast. Yeah. But they were brand brand new. It just never really occurred to me that someone would be like, "Oh, well, there's a D and D set of magic. I guess I'll play this." Mm-hmm. Start looking at the cards. Like that's, yeah. but it, I I get it. Imagine what will happen when Lord of the Rings comes out. So I wonder. I wonder if there's any Walking Dead fans that were like, "Hey, I'm going to play magic uh-huh. because there's, of Rick there, there's a non-zero number of people <laughs> yeah. that saw Rick Grimes it's like, just, I guess I play magic now.' I've been playing magic for twenty something years, and I've never met a single person who didn't start playing because of someone else they knew. Mm-hmm. If that, I mean, obviously there was an origin point there. Yeah, but like I started playing because Derek taught me. Yep. Well, his neighbor and friend Sam yeah. taught him. And again, this was long before like this stuff came out. I started, like, play, I started playing magic because I saw some kids in high school playing. Right. And I was like, what is that? And they taught me how to play. But it was I don't know anybody who was like, because like the disconnect for me is always, well, how are you hearing about D&D magic if you don't already play magic? Right. Uh-huh. It, it amazes me that to think that people would like be at Walmart and just see magic hey, and be this? like, I'm going to learn how to play that. Right. Because you know what I never want to do is learn how to play Pokemon. Alone, especially because you're just like, okay, uh, I guess I'll learn to play magic and have no one to play with. Yeah. So that they're doing good. Kudos to wizards. Like they're they're doing something right. It's one of those things where you always just, you know, because I mean, there's a reason they're doing it. They're a multi-million dollar company. They're not idiots. Right. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how we may feel about them, (laughs) they're they're doing things for a reason. But it's just to meet him in the wild was nuts. It was pretty cool. And it was really cool. To, a lot of them had very different perspectives than we did. Yep. Because they're brand new. Maybe because they play arena. Maybe a lot of hype for the universes beyond like, stuff. Like a lot of people had very different opinions than us. And um, while we're definitely the most correct, none more right than the other. Right. Well, it makes sense. Like I can totally get how someone who just started playing magic can look at universes beyond and go, well, that's really cool. Because what they think about magic is effectively just a rule set. Mm hmm. Whereas older players think about it with all the baggage we have from the 25 years and magic is more than just a rule set that we play yeah. a game with of, you know, differently flavored cards. Yeah. I mean, case in point, I'm not in love with the universes beyond, but as soon as they announced they're going to do universes beyond with a functional reprints in packs that assuaged most of my concerns. And I don't like really care anymore. Whereas it still really bothers you that they're doing Chun-Li and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the secret layer stuff doesn't bother me nearly as much. Chun-Li, if she is a secret layer and they make a Chun-Li card in the magic thing, magic flavor, mm-hmm. whatever, because that's just an alter. I don't love it, but uh, I can deal with that. It's 
Like they're not going to do that with the Lord of the Rings stuff or the no. Warhammer 40. Like, but still, that doesn't bother me nearly yeah. as much. But it really gets on your nerves yep. as a really entrenched and old player. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking so. about uh, speaking of entrenched and old players. Yeah, Matt, how's Legacy looking? So we'll go over the challenge because we're still not firing them on Saturday. Uh-huh. So we'll talk about the Sunday challenge. We did manage to fire a challenge the day after Christmas. Yes, we did. I was a little relieved, to be perfectly honest. I I figured it was uh, not literally a coin flip, but a coin flip whether or not it would fire. Uh, given us the day after one of the biggest holidays in the world. Hmm. So yeah, we did fire one on Sunday. Not exactly exciting metagame breakdown. Uh, what? We'll, obviously, we'll go through it, but if you've been listening to the past several episodes, you're probably going to be able to guess how this goes. I'm going to guess top five cards. Um, Brainstorm, Ponder, Force of Will, Ragavan, and Merktide. You're right about three of them. Okay. Winning, we've got Sprouts playing Green White Lands and Taxes. So this deck is super cool. It's probably the spiciest thing on the in the challenge this week. It's got your traditional green-white build. So you got like Elvish Reclaimer grabbing Thespian Stage and Dark Depths combo off. And then it's got a bunch of taxing effects in it too, mm-hmm. which I thought was really neat. You've got four Sphere of Resistance and a one of a Thorn of Amethyst and then three Esper Sentinels to really mm-hmm. kind of like, this deck looks like I am just going to tax the crap out of people playing cantrips. Yeah. <laughs> All in, all of those in the main. Um, yeah, all in the main. I'm surprised like, to nuts. see not nearly as many soul lands as usual. So they have they don't have that turn one uh, thorn or turn one sphere. I mean, they basically have one ancient. Yeah. But uh, they definitely are ready to follow it up on turn two. Exactly. Basically make your cantrips awful. Yep. I mean, yeah, so. brainstorm for two is pretty rough. Yeah. It's And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm, if I don't have anything to do, obviously I'll cast it, but like... You know, in fairness, I'm not going to sit here. Like, they run four Mox Diamond. The the yeah. chance they get two man on turn one is pretty high. Yeah, they have, they've got a reasonable shot. It is, it's not like a Yorion list or anything, so you only got 60 cards. But still, it's not, it's not going to have the consistency of something like that as like Red Prison, where they're running the full set of Ancient Tombs and City of Traders, where like the deck is designed to drop two or three mana on turn one. I mean, it looks like the guy just custom built this deck to beat the meta that we're in, and... It seemed to work out really well for him, so he took down a challenge with it. Doesn't look like the rest of the field did nearly as well. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't nearly as inventive. Yes. So, well, and that's one of the things Delver preys upon. So next up in second, we've got Blue Red Delver running the full 16 creatures, four Merktide, four uh-huh. Ragavan, four DRC, four Delver of Secrets. That in and of itself, I don't want to call it spice, but that in and of itself is unusual. Normally yep. there's 12 or 13 creatures. This isn't spice either, but it's one of those things. It's four volcanic island, two steam vent. Yeah, like, it, it's 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 not crazy uncommon these days, but um, still worth noting that at least Delver decks are still running six volcanic islands. Well, if you told me last year that Blue Red Delver was going to be running two steam vents, I would have laughed in your face. Yes. So. <laughs> Why would they ban Volcanic Island? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, they finally got rid of the duels. <laughs> well, burn no. should be pretty good then. <laughs> no, as this. Uh... <laughs> They just needed more untapped. Yep, you got to have that islands. turn one island that produces red. Yeah. So you can back, back your Ragavan up with days. Yep. Um, next up in third, we've got elves. Uh, this looks like a, it's not really a stock list nowadays, but if you were to look back like six months or a year ago, this is pretty much how your elves deck would look. Doesn't have elvish reclaimer. Doesn't have once upon a time. Uh, does have one crop rot in the main. Uh, and that's the uh, black, green, white variant with Archon of Valor's Reach. Mm-hmm. Sideboard is about as traditional as it comes. Yep. Four Thoughtseize, four AT, two Reclamation Sage. That's fairly uncommon now. That seems to be your flex slot, though. Like, yeah. you know, the standardized four, four, four 
one progenitus, and then two of something. Yeah, something. You pick how you want to deal with artifacts and yeah. what artifacts you expect to be in there. Mm-hmm. So, like, Reclamation Sage is better against some things, yep. whereas, like, Collector Oaf is better against others. Yep. The Collector Oaf in the main over the Scooge, I think, is a weird call, considering how impactful graveyards are right now. Yeah, well, and especially, as we'll see, um, obviously, there's no way for this guy to predict the future, but uh, Reanimator was a big I mean I can predict big showing. I can predict the future because Reanimator's been in the top eight at least two decks for the last three weeks running. Yep. I w- I'll bet you next week there's two Reanimator decks in the top eight. Probably right. Next up, we've got Reanimator. Oh hey, look a Reanimator deck. Yep. Now I will point out the Elves guy beat him. At least I mean he's third and Reanimator's fourth, so I don't think it necessarily means he beat him, but yes. he did he performed better than him, that's for sure. Yeah. Well not necessarily because you could like third and fourth that, that's all determined on breakers, isn't it? I think they I don't think I, I think once you're out of the top eight, you're out of the top eight. So like like third and fourth place, they didn't necessarily play each other. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. But I the the joke the the joke is just a joke. Like yeah, they're both incredibly powerful decks. Obviously, elves. I mean, obviously, elves didn't get just steamrolled by reanimator this this meta because they're still putting lists in the top eight, and there's still multiple lists in the top thirty two. Yeah, this reanimator list doesn't have. Hey a- hey 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 reanimator's my thing. I let you talk about elves every week. I let I let you talk about your. Elf deck that came in 18th place because it's got a different sideboard card. I'm the reanimator guy. So as I was saying, this reanimator doesn't look too different. (laughs) (laughs) Just let Jake have his little tantrum over there. This does have some spice in the sideboard, though. We've got uh, Magus of the Moon in the sideboard. That's nice. I uh, Magus of the Moon was a relatively popular sideboard card when I ran, I want to say, three-ish years ago. That was a very common sideboard slot just because you have so much fast mana and it's relatively easy yeah, for you to to, just, to slam a Magus and prey on Delver decks or just greedy mana bases. And yep. a lot of people don't see it. Three Fairy Macrob out of the side. I almost never see three. I've seen one and two. Three's a lot. Well, he's probably planning on playing against Reanimator. Yeah, that's your mirror your, your mirror breaker, I guess. We've got the Serenity package again, the, forcing us back into white. Uh, and worth saying, only one Archon of Cruelty, where we've seen a lot of decks be running like or Archon of Cruelty and no extra stuff. Like maybe some, some Chance of the Annex, some Grizzle Brands, some Archon. Yeah. So this deck's probably trimming back down on the Archon. Sarah's Emissary in the main is a weird choice. I don't, it just seems like a weird thing to go for game one. I see it in game two, but game one, that seems to be a weird choice. But yeah, other than that, like you're still looking at six Unmasks. That seems to be where we've decided is the correct number. Six Unmasks, two Thought Seas, and then a bunch of four ofs that you just expect to see. In fifth place, in a shocking turn of events, we've got Is It Delver. This Is It Delver deck only has two Delver of Secrets. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh, the spice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the spice must flow. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing really to talk about there. Uh, in six, we've got Grixis Tempo. Basically, it's very similar decks. It's got Baleful, Baleful Strix as opposed to the Delver, though, which I yep. would... Like, if I'm looking at this, I'm going... First off, you get, with black, you do get some potent sideboard cards, um, and we'll talk about those in a second. But Baleful Strix, to me, seems like I'm going to be dealing with other people's Merc Tides. Yeah, like Baleful Strix is just the perfect answer to a, a resolved Merc Tide. Presumably, you'd like to answer it on the stack, but if you can't, Baleful Strix is a great card that you can just throw out there turn two, and it just sits and waits. Either yeah. it eats a lightning bolt and saves you three life, which isn't preferable, but it's okay because it replaces it. Well, in those matchups, that's not even that bad. Yep. Because it also replaced itself by drawing a card. And then it also just sits there and waits for your, potentially your DRC swinging for lethal or your Merktide swinging as an 8-8. Yep. And in the sideboard, we've got uh, this guy trying to shore up his uh, Elves matchup and mm-hmm. Death and Taxes matchup with Plague Engineer. And he's went, he's followed my lead at least. 
uh, four ley line of the full four of it's the math has come out that it's oftentimes better to run three ley line like I don't know the numbers, but the general idea is you can hit ley line almost as often in your opening seven with three. Without, within drawing it less often. Yes, but if you just want to be more sure to hit it, four is way to go. And with how prevalent graveyards are, I mean, even that ley line of the void hits Merktide really well. Yeah. Like it's good in the mirror. So I'm not surprised to see uh, the full four of where it's just like in the, in the decks you want it, which is reanimator and a Delver shell. You really want that in the opening turn because... How does Delver even answer a resolved ley line? Doesn't. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. Now, it it doesn't cripple them like it would a reanimator deck. No. But it does, especially given DRC and Murktide yeah. are both very graveyard-oriented cards, yeah. it does limit their you're, threats down to You're almost entirely shutting off between four and, or between six and seven creatures in their deck because yeah. DRC, well, filtering is good. It being a 1-1 forever sucks. Yep. And Murktide is borderline uncastable when you can't delve for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's look at the let's look at the second place list. They have six lands that produce mana. Uh, I guess technically ten. Yeah, technically you have ten with wasteland. Yeah, you could use your wastelands, but the odds of getting to eight when you only mm-hmm. have ten lands that produce mana is very slim. And it's or it's seven, but seven, to, seven ma- yeah. to make a three three flyer, right? Like to make Delver crippling. In seventh, we've got Rug Delver, sort of. So it's basically the same. Very similar like spell list, and then we're just kind of tinkering around the edges with the creatures. So we've got mm-hmm. Ragavan and Murktide Regent, and this guy prefers Tarmogoyf and Uro. <laughs> like, you do get Sylvan uh, Library too. Sylvan Library yeah. can be a good mirror breaker. Um, just having more access to cards. So, but what I'm what I'm getting at is it's not like old school Rug Delver. It's our new yeah. It's our new Modern Horizons crap with a it's it's green Kool Aid instead of and, black well, Kool Aid. <laughs> someone like, didn't tell Bochi that uh, Tarmogoyf isn't playable. I think Tarmogoyf's not that bad in the current... Well, the problem is there's so much graveyard hate floating around that he's real bad, but like um, with Ragavan being everywhere, I don't even mind Tarmogoyf. Like if if it was... Like if you didn't have all the tangential or uh, the incidental graveyard hate, Mm -hmm. Tarmogoyf wouldn't be in a horrible spot at the moment. And if Days wasn't just fucking everywhere. Yeah. That's... Um, I love seeing a total of... So there's two Pyroblasts and two Red Blasts on the side. Total of four Blasts. Yep. That's the metal we're in. So that main board at least. And then rounding out the top eight, we've got another reanimator. Hey. So let's see. Only one grief, guys. Whew, he's uh he's pushing boundaries here. Right. We've only got five unmask effects, but this is a full this runs the full four Archon four Grizzlebrand, and only one Chancellor of the Annex, which is a clear indicator to me that we're slowing down and we're not force feeding on turn one. Absolutely. Like um, obviously you get your games where it still happens, but that you know the reason you run four chancellor is you never you don't really even ever want to reanimate chancellor. It's I want chancellor there to protect your combo. Yeah, so that you can't force of will turn one. You can't you you have a hard time dazing on turn two. Yeah, and then you can tell another thing to keep in mind here. Not only does he have five griefs, he went back up to the four full thought seizes. Yep. So you take that. That's basically what he did. Is he took out his chancellors, put them in the sideboard, and put in more and discard disruption. in the main. Yep. This guy's. Probably planning on going off on turn three, turn two or three, rather than one or two. Man, Serenity is just the call now. Yep. And he's like, got prismatic endings. I saw that prismatic ending in the side, which is, you know, this deck's going to have a hard time casting it for three mana, except everything it wants to hit costs one or two. Yep. The only thing it cares about are things like Tormod's Crypt, uh, Grafdicker's Cage, and Rest in Peace. Right. And uh, I do love seeing the one of Coffin Purge. I love that card. I think it's a really cool card to see once in the blue moon. 
just one black to nuke a card in a graveyard and then flashback for a black. Yep. Something you don't think about, but you can do is since it's an instant, you could in, in a pinch entomb flashback, yep. which I have done before, which is pretty sweet. You can really catch people off guard. Like they'll see your hand or go try to go for something because they think you're you don't have any outs to removing it. And it's like, no, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a surgical in my graveyard and take that. Yep. Psych. That's about it for the top eight. We did see two madness decks. I'm pretty excited to see that again. I don't play the deck, but I love madness and I love basking root wall and all that crap. So excited to see that. We mm-hmm. did have a blue painter list. Um that yeah. we thought was well, we it says it's blue painter, and after looking at it, it's basically eight cast yes. with the a couple of the uh it's got what two painter servants and one or two grindstones in there it's got four or four painters four painters and two, two grindstone and so we were talking about it in 21st place um high rube 16 18 put up a really cool eight cast list with the painter servant combo in it you know obviously eight cast is a is a plenty powerful deck and it's plenty respectable but i don't like decks that are they're not control decks and they don't have the combo top end like because there's like eight cast isn't doing anything to stop you from doing your plan other than just drawing a lot of cards and playing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, you think about like a blue-white control deck. I've got swords, prismatic, force of will, force of negation, ways to lock you out. Eight cast doesn't. Eight cast is just trying to go over top. And it there's no like, there's no, there, there's a very definite ceiling where you can, the only thing you can do is make a bunch of things with Psy or maybe make a couple things with Urza or whatever. So putting in the painter-servant combo costs relatively little. It costs you six slots and that's something, but Six slots to have just those luck sack games where you might go turn one grindstone, turn two painter, turn three games over. Yep. And there's especially game one. There's a lot of decks that literally can't do anything like that that. will just happen. And just giving yourself the chance for that to happen. And it's like elves. Like there are times when you just combo off on turn two and the game's over. Yep. And if you don't put the cards in your deck, they can't happen. And so it was really cool to see a eight cast list run. It's very grindy and very efficient, like or thought monitor. Four thought cast, three sigh, four emery. Bobble, 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 yes, bobble. Tons bobble. of value, tons <laughs> of recursion, tons of just good cards. But then just sneak in there also the, hey, I'm going to win on turn three. Or just, it could even be like that at turn 10 out of the blue. Like, yeah. We've got two boards well, looking at each other. It gives you inevitability. It gives you explosiveness and inevitability. Yep. And especially paired with the ability to, you know, if you can resolve your painter and let your Urza Saga pop, grab your grindstone, game's over. Yeah, especially since you've got uh, Urza Saga to grab your grindstone. Yeah, I was saying, like, like you can get around a lot of counterspells by finding that window to resolve the painter. Yep. Even protect it with your, let's say, your Hydroblasts, and then drop an Urza Saga and wait. and yep. Tick down. Yep. Hey, dude, you going to do anything uh-huh. about this? Do you happen to run Croson Grip in your deck? <laughs> in T-minus two turns. In T-minus one turn. Yep. yep. We're launching. So that was a really cool thing to see. I like seeing... Um, those grindy decks get that aggressive top end put on them. Like, I mean, I don't play elves, but I really have a lot of respect for the elf archetype where the whole joke is, is that is elf a combo deck or is it a grindy deck? And the answer is yes. Yep. And that is that flexibility makes a deck way better than it could be where you can just totally flip from one side to the other. And the big thing with me is it makes it a little more fun to play, which is a big factor that a lot of people don't want to talk about when you're talking about competitive formats. I really don't enjoy like pure glass cannon stuff. Yeah. But like show and tell or reanimator like reanimator is not bad it does run a lot of discard but like show and tell's got you know days or force of will stuff like that they're just they're really all in on plan one and if you can find a chink in their armor they're done and elves has a lot of ways to pivot and yeah attack like you said different you, angles like elves can totally win in the late game just by drawing three cards a turn and swinging with two one ones yep. yep what's the what's the metagame summary look yep so 
with just blue red delver we've got 10 decks of the top 32 and then we've also have the rug delver and the grixis delver putting a the tempo shell the modern horizons tempo shell at 12 of the top 32 uh that's about as bad as we've seen it over the past roughly 34 ish percent 36 percent real high so that doesn't look right yep um the other next most played deck is a combo deck reanimator and elves and then elves and then madness which is a combo deck which is basically a combo deck yeah so Uh, the the, basically the metagame is boiling down to delver and decks that beat delver in combo i mean the last like three or four top eights we've seen are almost the exact same decks where it's it's a depths deck Couple ran a couple depths deck, couple delver or a couple delver decks, and a couple reanimator decks with an elf or deck thrown here. Like yep. it's elves, depths, <laughs> uh, delver, and reanimator. Yeah, well, you guys wanted a rock, paper, scissors format. We've got it. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> we just don't have much else. Um, most played cards. We'll compare your list to what is actually happening. We got Force of Will, Brainstorm, and Ponder. Oh, I said Ragavan and Merktide. Yep. Those were six and eight. Yep, they got beat out by <laughs> days and expressive iteration. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> But Ragavan, Murktide, and DRC are all in the top 10, and uh-huh. Pyroblast is 10th. That should tell you where we're at. A clear indication of a healthy format. Correct. 40% of the decks having Pyroblast. Yeah. Well, 62% of the decks are blue. Yeah. Or, sorry, 62% of the decks are have Force of Will. They're, in theory, you could have a Force of Will-less blue deck. Yeah. But but I don't know why you would, but yep. good. Top creatures, Ragavan, Murktide, DRC, Delver of Secrets, and then the card that hopefully stems that attack a little bit or endurance mm-hmm. like okay that's hilarious that's the format we're playing and then top spells force of will ponder brains or force of will brainstorm ponder expressive iteration days yep like pretty pretty cut pretty uh same as always i mean the the top spells is basically blue red delver and i mean i, I know it makes sense but like yep that's what they're playing the delver I mean, delver's always just it just gets some of the best toys and some of the some of the old best toys and some of the new best toys right now yep well that I mean, there's a reason we're named Cantrip Cartel. The cantrips yep. are what allow you to they're good. use the generically powerful cards to the yep. greatest effect. And it's like Brainstorm gets better every year because yep. it just finds better cards. Same thing with Ponder, same thing. Like, Brainstorm has never been so good as when it finds Murktide. Yep. And Force Will gets better every year because it's countering the it better protects. cards. <laughs> like, yep. It protects your super broken stuff and prevents your players, your other your opponents from casting their stupid broken stuff. Just that blue shell. Yeah, Legacy's Legacy's been legacy for a little while now. We check in with it every week. Always looking forward to hopefully somebody finding a way to break through and change it. We love getting to highlight some of those crazy decks we see in the top 32, but I think legacy, it's at the point where it needs some kind of a change from somebody higher up. And I'll be interested to see if we get something like that once Watsy returns after Christmas, because I don't think anything's going to be happening while we're on Christmas break. Oh no. And that, that was why I was so disappointed when they said they weren't going to ban anything before eternal weekend. Because I knew effectively that meant it just wasn't happening. That gave them precious few weeks after Eternal Weekend to make a yeah. decision before they before scoot. they scoot for the holidays, and yep. then that's legacy. Not great. I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that are still having a lot of fun. I mean, clearly, I, I I I see 32 people that probably had fun. Not the format I would enjoy playing though. I don't like playing Delver that much. Maybe I should play a Delver. They're fine. Like no, I play Delver. I'm not, I don't enjoy it. I when I play Delver, I'm just chewing on my nails the whole time. I really liked playing the iteration of blue red delver with like delver and sprite dragon stuff like that where like it was basically an aggro deck mm-hmm. and but it had that big weakness of like i mean if your opponent resolves uro you're just done yeah like there because there wasn't any way to accrue 
that snowballing value that the current ones do, and you didn't have the top end of Merktide. Yep. So you had to race your opponent before they got anything going on, whereas these current ones, just the power of these cards are just, they just win games single-handedly. Yeah. Like, you needed to be swinging with two or three creatures every turn with the old blue-red Delver to get anywhere, to even hope to mm -hmm. win, and oftentimes that wasn't yep. enough. Now the new blue-red Delver is on time. I mean, it, sometimes it just it hacks you with two or three creatures a turn until you're dead. A lot of it is get you down to 15 and turn Merktide sideways twice. Yep. Like it's like you can play against Blue Red Delver and you're not safe at 12 life. Right. Because they'll just cast you it. You used to have to be like, I'm at four, I'm good. Yeah. Or even six. Like I, they need double bolt. Right. But now it's like, I'm at 12, I'm within double Merktide. Right. And I don't have any way to deal with Merktide. And I don't have a way to, because I'd spent three removal spells getting rid of DRC. The other snowball-y, yeah. super powerful cards. So. Anywho, let's go on to modern. On to modern. Talk about the Sunday challenges we always do. In first place, Fur MTG brought it home with Grixis Shadow, the deck that's kind of been just dominating MTGO for a while. Like, Rakdos is where it's at right now, and it seems Grixis Death Shadow is the, even the top of the top. Like, Rakdos just gives you some incredibly powerful stuff, and Grixis gives you all of the powerful stuff, um, letting you bump into blue for essentially Drown in the Lock and Espressive Iteration, but two incredibly powerful cards. Yeah, and I mean, if you just compare them, Death Shadow is very does a pretty good imitation of Murktide. Mm -hmm. So if you look at their creature list, it's Ragavan and DRC and then Death Shadow, which very easily could yes. just be Murktide. It very much is in the late game. It's a one mana five five or a one mana six six. Yep, which is what you're trying to do yep. with Murktide. You don't get the evasion, but that's eh, okay. It well, gets... you run so much removal that oftentimes you don't need the evasion. Yeah. Looking through the main deck, I don't see anything particularly crazy. You know, I see a lot of one and two ofs that are normally maybe two ofs or three ofs. Like some of those numbers are, are changing a little bit, but I don't see anything particularly crazy. The thing that I have noticed happening on MTGO that I didn't think about is dress down loops with Luris is pretty dope. Yeah. Being able to obviously Mistress Bobble might be a little bit better, but there's plenty of situations where a dress down loop every turn drawing you a card still and blanking for the most part, whatever creatures your opponent has, because you can just go end step out of your graveyard dress down. Then they have dressed down for their entire turn. Back to my turn, I get to do my stuff. End of turn, dress down. Yep. It's a pretty cool soft lock to put them on. Uh, looking at the sideboard, I don't see anything particularly crazy out of this list either. But still, tons of tons of credit for bringing home the Sunday challenge. Second place, Mono Green Amulet Titan. Taking a peek at that, not seeing anything particularly crazy here. This looks to be a relatively stock Titan list. You know, you might see some stuff in the land base. Like I see a Lair of the Hydra that I don't know if I has become super common yet. You know, I I the Castle Garenbriggs are fine. All these uh, bounce lands are normal. Like. Don't see anything crazy here. This is your Titan deck. Anything you see that looks particularly weird, Matt? No. Looks pretty straightforward. Yep. Glad to see Titan coming back. I'm glad to see Titan putting up a list like one in the yeah. top eight or one every couple weeks in the top eight. It's pretty sweet. I was kind of bummed out to see Titan just disappear. Well, that's that's one of the complaints a lot of people have had about the effect that Modern Horizons 2 has had on Modern is it pushed a lot of pre-existing decks out. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that at least a couple have been able to stick around. Yep. Including Titan. Because Titan's a very cool deck. It's... It was for a while. It was way too good and way too consistent. Okay, fair enough. And wizards used a scalpel and not a hammer and trimmed the deck as opposed to banning the deck. And obviously, it's still a perfectly reasonable deck. And, yep. and I'm happy to see it. Uh, next up in third place, we've got Boros Life uh, Life Total Control. Again, this looks like a relatively stock list. Like the Boros lists are pretty set in stone for the most part. I see two Skull Cracks, and I don't think Skull Crack is as mainstream as the rest of this. I've always loved Skullcrack. Yep. Looks like we might have cut to uh, 
lava, lava, or uh, lava, lightning helix. Two lightning helix for those skull cracks. And, you know, I don't see a ton of life gain in the meta right now, unless you're talking about solituding your own stuff. Now, the one exception to that could be if this is playing around four color control and Omnath, because I'm sure, you know, that Omnath comes down turn four or turn five, and that could be that quintessential turn where you're looking to wrap the game up. And yep. Omnath hitting that land drop and gaining four life is the is the deal breaker. Yep. I also personally, I used to always run at least a couple skull cracks because it gives you an out against a couple like every now and then, like if Burns becomes popular, people put a couple like pro red things in uh -huh. there or, you know, stuff like that that can well, it's like, really like core firewalk is kind of the classic where just every right. red spell gains you a life that yeah. can be debilitating. Yep. So, you know, after blocks are declared, doming someone with skull crack and then killing their or firewalker yep. with your creature is well it gives you oh yeah, uh, I see, I see, I see, I see. yeah. so yeah. yeah you you can't hit their core firewalker you hit them yep. and then your but you know <laughs> goblin guide kills their core yeah you firewalker. let them declare blockers yep. and because it's you know it, players can't gain life damage can't be prevented and it deals three damage to a player that's a lot of stuff for two man yeah and and really the only thing you're giving up there is three life from lightning helix yeah and typically speaking you're not really that concerned with your yep. life this is yeah this is uh, lightning helix is never going to like you said remove those problem creatures the way that a skull crack can yeah. like gaining you three life could give you one more turn that you need skull crack could remove the creature you need to be removed yep and skull and the creature you need to be removed needs to go where you just straight up lose yep i just i've always personally liked that yeah type. it seems like a really it seems like an interesting and very worthwhile call fourth place was another grixis shadow list Let's take a look at this and see if it looks different. The creature base looks a little different. The spell base looks almost identical. We are running Dismember in the main and Teamir Battle Rage in the main. Couple one ofs that could definitely come in and kind of steal a game away. Like Dismember is great for, I mean, Dismember is great for fueling a early Death Shadow and removing a turn one Ragavan. And Teamir Battle Rage is obviously great just for the like potential to one shot GG. somebody with a Death Shadow. Like, yeah. Oh, it's just an 8 8. No, it's a 16 16. With trample. Yep. That that's another thing. Every time I've played Death Shadow, there's at least one Tamir Battle Rage in it. Yeah. Because I just that's the way I like to play. The top end is so good. I just want to I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of consistency for yep. a real high ceiling. Yep. Now in fairness, Teamer Battle Rage is probably a bit worse in a world of solitudes. Yes. Because now is. you're really opening up for a hard two for one. Yeah, potentially even a three for one. Yeah, if you happen to have two yeah, shadows. If you swing out. with well, you swing with a couple I mean, solitude in and of itself is a problem with get Death Shadow, but like say you swing with you know, your uh, yeah. Ragavan, a shadow, <laughs> they solitude, your death shadow, after you've yeah. uh, cast your team out battle rage and they yeah. block your Ragavan, wipe and your just, board, gain three life, yeah. you're back up, so you can't cast your, you can't even bring it back with Lurus. Yeah, you've just got all kinds of, yep. but that that to me is one of the interesting things about these decks is, like I said, when solitude got printed, I was, I'm just like, well, death shadow's just done. Uh-huh. Is that... Swords to Plowshares is just a beating for the deck. But exactly. again, it's not a yeah. what we would think of as a traditional Death Shadow nope. list. It just uses it as a black. Turns out what Death Shadow needed was eight bomb one drops to back up their Death Shadows. Yep. Yeah, and burn, then, force them to burn their removal yeah. on something else. And this deck does also run two Snapcaster in the main, which is a card we almost never see anymore. And two Torok in the main. Yeah, Torok Dread Canter. Way grindier than the other yep. list. I mean, Torak Dread Canter is an excellent meta call right now, especially with how many decks running white as their primary removal with Prismatic Ending and Solitude. So the ability to have pro-white and uh, essentially the top end of having a Hymn to Turok on it and making it become a 4-3, yep. pretty dope. And, and you've got, you know, Bruxa. Like, there's some decent actual synergy there, too, because yes. you do run a lot of discard as your spells. 
Like Turok can do some work. Yeah, you've got you've got six targeted discard spells and two Kroxa that are forcing discards. So yep. it's completely reasonable that your your Turok Dread Cantor can grow yeah. to an obnoxious size. Yep. Fifth place. Four color blink. Um, one of the most common decks, one of the most probably the most powerful decks, and probably one of the most archetype sh- um shaping decks currently. Like this deck kind of just ran rampant all over the meta for a while, and I think it's heavily brought up the Death Shadow decks where they have like the good hand disruption to slow them down early and the hard finishers for like turn five, six, and seven to close it out when these decks are really starting to get going. And it also can prey on it can also easily prey on that like inconsistency of these decks where you don't always have your solitudes and you don't always have your furies when you need them. So Yorion, four color elemental blink, taking a peek. I don't see anything again particularly crazy. Like a lot of these decks are really starting to hone in on what the correct list is. Got that is. one of Emrakul on the side again. Yep, one of Emrakul, the Promise End, not the not the Anastorn. Yeah, the the castable one. Two Elodomri's calls, four Ephemerate, eight Planeswalkers with Ren and Six and Teferi, four Growths, four Spreading Seas to get max value out of your Yorion. Other than that, I don't see anything. That's a weird choice in the main. In case you're curious, I'm not seeing time warps. We don't have the infinite loop of Eternal Witness. And like in fairness, after watching these decks get played, I've seen the Eternal Witness loop go off a few times with Ephemerate, and it's not good enough. Yeah. Like I like I think you really need time walk in there to or time warp in there to like cinch it. To seal the deal. Because or or a extra turn spell. Because like I've seen um I've seen decks go up against it and like they'll be under the eternal witness flicker for like three turns. Absurd card advantage. And then he's like, cool. Uh, you have done zero attacking because every one of your creatures is blinking every turn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to attack and or I'm going to combo off and kill you. Yep. Like I'm going to cast Archon and resolve it. I'm going to cast uh, my five fairy and resolve it. And just like, it's not enough. Like you just, you're just sitting over there moving cards around and not doing anything. Whereas your opponent can like over the course of two of those turns, build up an oppressive board state and just, and kill, just you. kill you like like the that removal like i think that's like it seems like eternal witness ephemerate is bait right now for a bad a bad deck like if you 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 should replace those three eternal witness slots for something that just kills your opponent because the it's very it's very tempting to and it's maybe that's your mirror breaker but it's very tempting to i'm gonna flicker my eternal witness and get a card back and then i'm gonna rebound it and get my ephemerate back and do it again and just keep on going and it's like you should put cards in your deck that kill your opponent because your two one eternal witness that you're flickering every turn isn't attacking. Your Yorion that you keep flickering to flicker everything else isn't attacking. Your opponent still has sixteen life. Yep. And there's only and you can only ever have seven cards in your hand. So yeah. I mean, you're gonna hit that very quickly and then okay, don't get me wrong, have having a full grip at any point in time is it's good. a good thing to be doing. But there's a reason Burn got third. Yeah. Like and you're running two counter spells. So you're not like you're not chalking up on all this all this interaction to on the stack to 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 lock them down, you have two counter spells, you have two bolts, and you have four prismatic endings. That is the only way you can interact with your opponent's stuff in an 80-card deck. Like, you can't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs for four turns. You've got to win the game. And I think that's part of the reason why these decks are starting to decrease in their power level and the meta is catching up to them is they're just, they're starting to spend too much time twiddling their thumbs. I bet it's a lot of fun. I bet it's tons of fun to do. I Watching it, it looked fun to do to be like, I'll take one of these and I'll ooh, I'll protect it with my ephemerate and I'll take one of these. But a Death Shadow? Gotta win. Take yeah, eight. Take eight. Take uh, eight. No blocks. Yeah. <laughs> Tamir Battle Rage. Yeah. GG. That's, that's what happens. Sixth place. Four color Death Shadow. So this is not Grixis. And looking at it, we pick up basically one card. I shouldn't say basically. We pick up one card in the main 
and a couple cards in the sides. Kind of interesting. I would say you're really weakening your mana base, but you don't care because you're running some extra shocks and you want to shock yourself anyway. So who cares? Yep. Like, yeah, you and lose the no blood wasteland to punish you. You lose the blood moon, but you already lost the blood moon with Grixis. So if you're going to go greed, I'd say go full greed. Yep. Looking in the main, these mains look identical, except for we've got three prismatic endings, which with the fourth color hits pretty much everything important. And in the side, you get to pick up three Kaya's Guile, which is probably one of my favorite Orchov sideboard cards. Like, it's just such a great command. The <laughs> all four of them are decent options. And then the ability to just pay six and, and twine and get all of them anyway. Yeah. Like the card is so strong and one wear and tear, which is obviously just a crazy good card that just those two for ones are pretty dope. I like wear and tear two for ones are so good that I'm debating putting red. We, we talked about it, but putting yeah. red in my reanimator deck to run wear and tear over fracture because the two for one potential is so high. And I was thinking about it because you can cast tear through a blood moon as long as you have one. Yeah, and that's that, that that matters. Like the I was watching Aspiring Spike and he said the the classic two card combo of of wear and tear and planes. <laughs> and I was like, that is a really good point because it's hard for me to cast Fracture through a Blood Moon if I'm not I don't prepare for it because yep. it's blue white or sorry, it's black white, black white, which just means I need basic swamp, basic planes. And I am very bad about letting my greedy mana base of legacy infect me. Where I'm like, I want all the dual lands. Yep. It's like, no, you should probably be fetching basics more often. Probably be playing around Blood Moon a little bit more. Seventh place, Azorius Mill. First time we've seen Mill in a couple weeks. <laughs> in fairness, for a couple weeks there, we've been seeing Eldrazi in every sideboard, and we've started to see that tick down. Yep. Everybody put their stony silences away, yep. so Affinity exactly. managed to hit a top. So we, start, we started putting our Eldrazi away, so Mill may come back. Well, that's because there's always going to be some dude who just loves milling you out. Yep. It's just a reality, unless you want to lose to it. Maybe chuck in yeah. Emrakul on your side. And, and I mean, obviously it's an own thing, but like Emrakul isn't even guaranteed safety anymore. Like yep. it just takes getting hit with that uh, Tasha's Anything Hideous that Laughter. exiles it instead. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tasha's Hideous Laughter, I think, is your, I think Tasha's is your only exile, um, unless you have something like a Rest in Peace out. But yeah. like Tasha's Hideous Laughter hitting it, obviously it shuts down Tasha's pretty quick because it's looking for CMC 20 total, but it also does remove your protection. Uh, looking through the list, you know, don't see anything crazy. A lot of these. How lists bad are, would it feel if you were up to nineteen? Next card they flipped was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe like fifteen, sixteen, eighteen. Emrakul. <sighs> cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Couldn't have flipped that one on the first one. Thanks, Emrakul. Yep. Yeah, don't see anything crazy here. Um, these look pretty standard. The repeal, I think, is relatively uncommon. Like I, I don't see those, repeal. but it's just a one of just to you know bounce a thing to their hand and replace itself. Yeah, I don't see anything crazy special on that one. And eighth place, we've got Rakdos Midrange. I don't know why they chose to not put Dragon Rage Channeler in their deck. But oh, you mean Death Shadow? Or sorry, yeah, uh, Death Shadow. But we have like Dothies in their place. Dothies and and uh, Torok Dreadcanters in their place. Like the spell suite looks almost identical. Obviously, you're not running blue, so you don't get like Drown in the Lock. But almost identical. You've got four Dragon Rage Channeler, four Ragavan. Three Kroxa, and then instead of your Death Shadows, you've got Dothi and Torok. Other than that, they're almost the same deck. Sideboard yep. looks pretty much the same. One Dark Confidant. One Dark Confidant. That's kind of cool. Pyrite Spellbomb. Not that these are like super uncommon, but mm-hmm. yep, nothing crazy there. I said I think it. I mean, other than the to, the choice to bump off of even a Rakdos Death Shadow list is kind of interesting. So beyond that, we hop over to our metagame summary because I didn't see anything particularly crazy in the top 32 of like, oh, wow, that's a really cool list. So. One dude showed up with Infect. 
Yeah, I guess that's, that might be worth saying. Like, Infect in Modern and Legacy is kind of making waves. Like, there have been a couple of people pioneering some really cool Infect lists in both formats. So it's something to start keeping your mind or keeping your eye on again that Infect could be coming back. And one of the things, like, especially in Modern, that's really kind of crusading it, quote unquote, is Frexian Crusader. Just a 2-2 pro, pro all removal because it's right. pro red, pro white. So like a three minute two two with infect that just doesn't get touched by any of the prevalent removal is pretty dope. Well, yeah, I mean, just the not even just the prevalent removal, but look at what the threats are in all these yeah. things. He's basically unblockable. Yeah, because you like Yorion, Omnath, uh, Dragon Rage Channeler, like <laughs> the two most popular elementals, uh, the Kroxa card. Like, I mean, if you look at Death's Shadow lists, like this guy's pro. Pro your pro deck. Pro your deck. And yeah. then if you look at the elemental list, it's like, well, he's pro your deck pro too. Pretty much all of your deck that matters at least. Yep. So yeah, like Infect is becoming more popular and it's something you have to definitely keep in mind. Uh, metagame summary, Death Shadow was seven decks this week. Total Ugh. of 22%. Ugh. I think that's the worst result we've seen with uh, a modern metagame. But Especially following up with the next one. Oh yeah, with Hammer Time being 16, 15 and a half, almost 16% of yeah, the meta. So. That's the most like... Yeah, we've got 40% of the meta wrapped up in two decks. Now, this is about the time when Modern starts kind of up, seeing some real upheaval. Case in point, you go back a month ago, nobody was playing Grixis Shadow. So, and you go back a month before that, and nobody was playing Four Color Elemental. Yep. So, this, I think we're, we're hitting critical mass on like Modern is due for a metagame shakeup. I don't mean Witcher's coming in and doing something. I just mean like people are going to start playing to beat these decks that everybody's playing. We're going to see some shifts around. Um, and they like some twos and ones, Blink. Living End and Merc Tide with two decks. No elves. Yeah. De- Format's yeah. unplayable. Yeah, Matt. No elves. Literally. <laughs> like, it's yeah, Matt, there's no elves. What do you what are you thinking was gonna happen? <laughs> I still hold out hope that somebody's gonna pioneer some awesome elf deck. I don't think that's gonna happen, but let's, I, I'm let's hopeful. wrap this metagame up for and let's hop over to our last topic of the la- uh, our last topic of the year. But the only thing I wanted to say, as far as modern goes, is previously over the past six months. The metagame had been shifting, but it wasn't built around stuff like Ragavan and DRC. And this is the thing. This is where we would see a problem is I should say this is the question about how we're going forward. Is the metagame able to overcome Ragavan? Because currently, if we go down to most played cards, they're three and four. Yeah. With Merktide. Merktide's not on the top 10. But so like it's just a question of the modern has been able to overcome a lot of its previous, you know, really like the best deck so to speak the deck to beat has changed over a lot over the past six months i'm curious to see if it will be able to handle the because that in those previous decks ragavan and drc weren't in those exactly in the, in the deck to beat yeah so i'm curious if the churn will keep, will keep churning, churning or if so are you like are you, are you wondering if like modern was just slow to the uptake of like how oppressive these cards can be it, or if they're just having their spot in the sunshine yeah that's Cause, basically because i i think I personally think that modern is like totally because this is like the third or fourth rotation of decks after MH2. And now we're seeing um, DRC and Ragavan just dominating because like, you know, we had hammer time in there for a while. That's not that's nothing about Ragavan DRC. We had uh, Cat Crash Cade or Cascade in general. That doesn't involve either of those cards. Well, that's like, what I mean is like we've been a, modern has been able to deal with the deck to beat so far, but none of those decks were Ragavan or DRC. Yeah. And I'm it's. I'm not even saying this is necessarily true, but this is going to be the crux of whether or not these cards need to go mm-hmm. is all the other decks that people for, you know, for three weeks were saying Cascade needs to get banned and now it's gone, like not gone, but like 
Modern has been able to keep adapting. Yep. I'm curious to see if it is going to be able to adapt to these because clearly Legacy wasn't able to. Uh-huh. And, you know, obviously Merktide, Merktide's seeing a decent amount of play, but since Blue's not as good as it is in Legacy, but I mean, these Death Shadow lists are strong and they're putting up a lot of results. So yep. I'm just, I'm curious to see how it ha- I'm, I'm eager to see. I have, I have a lot of hope because, you know, I was saying the exact same thing about four color control. I was saying the same thing about Hammer Time there for a couple of weeks. Like, just like, geez, Louise, these decks are bonkers and they're just killing everything in their way. And then they just quietly disappeared yep. into the, into the dredges of the top 32s. Well, this, this is kind of the, if modern can handle these, then I think we're safe. Is basically what it boils down because like we've currently there's not anything we're seeing that's like really taking over that hasn't been handled in some way or another except basically these couple cards and if modern can handle them then i think we're off to the races with like yep. probably the best format in magic right now i think so i mean I, I would argue that yeah modern is definitely the best format even as it stands yeah and like it just is it the better version of itself yeah well and well this is where it would degrade is if they weren't able to fix this like if modern players can't answer these cards then we're basically looking at Legacy 2.0, where, I mean, we've just got the top five cards are just the same thing. Yep. So, and again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm eager to see yep. what happens. This is this is its chance to prove itself. Right. So I'm curious. I'll be, again, we talk about Modern every week. I'm, I think Modern is a great format, probably way better than Legacy at this point, and I never thought I would say that, especially oh, I, considering how bad Modern was for a I couple would, years. I would play Legacy like five to one, or sorry, I would play Modern five to one over yep. Legacy right now. I think I would, I would, I, if you gave me the option of playing, let's say if you had the, if I had the regular option of playing legacy and modern, I would drive twice as far to play modern than I would to play legacy. Yeah. I don't want to show I, up and play legacy right now. I think, uh, most people would probably agree with you. Yep. And if there was elves, I'd be right there with you. <laughs> um, as we kind of wrap up, uh, our, our modern challenge, um, there wasn't much talk about this week. And since it's kind of our, our year in wrap, I thought we could end the episode by, uh, talking about, there was this really cool battle of wits deck. That put up like a four one that I heard about, and so I spent some time looking at it or looking it up, and I think let's just go through every card <laughs> of this battle of wits deck. Yeah, there's only two hundred and let's just look, let's just or look at all of them and kind of really like. Oh no, yeah. I think I think it's like I think it was like two forty. Yeah, in my head, so battle of wits you had to have two hundred cards. In my head, you had to add two fifty. I was basically adding gotcha. on the yeah, extra. Yeah, yeah, no, let's but so yeah. let's just run through each card and see and talk about why we think that's that there or not. So let me let me uh, I'm gonna guess the top cards. So we've got. Ragavan, DRC, Solitude, Fury, <laughs> Urza Saga. No, so we're obviously kidding. Before anyone else clicks out, yeah, I'm not. I, I honestly, I can't even find the list. I looked for it for a little while and couldn't find it. But uh, I thought it was cool to hear that a Battle of Wits deck did good in a challenge. But I'm not like going to sit here and be like, oh my God, it's a Battle of Wits meta because one guy four and one. One guy four and one. And good. That's awesome. Yes. I, he, I'm sure they did great. But if you're anything like me, you have built a Battle of Wits deck. I have had one. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> they I sit haven't about since... eight inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> and you shuffle them in pieces. Yes. <laughs> they, the Battle of Wits was built for MTGO where it shuffles for you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just, that was fun. I thought it was fine to bring up that like Battle of Wits did good and that's kind of funny. But in our true year in review, the end of our episode, I thought we would go through and hit some of the highlights and some of the lowlights of what was our first year podcasting. You know, we made it to the end of the year. We made it to our 20th episode something we were actually really kind of excited to reach when we first started this podcast. 20 is kind of a bit of a, a milestone, kind of let you guys in behind the yellow curtain. One-ish percent of podcasts or less make it to their 20th episode. Yeah, it's kind of where the riffraff start to... Yes, because it's just... People start to get bored and starts to become hard and yep. like... 
you start you start getting in that five to six months of doing the same thing over and over again, and we, we made it. So this will be officially our last episode. We're done now. We, we hit all of our milestones. Suck it, nerds. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but so to to cap off our twentieth episode, our end of the year, it was kind of great timing. Like I know the last it worked episode, out great. Like, our 20th episode is like three days before New Year's. Yep. Uh, so, Matt, what was something that you were really happy about in Magic this year? Um, probably one of my favorite things was the return of old bordered cards. That's a very. Yes. I hadn't thought about it until right now, but I actually spent the day looking for some stuff for my Marin deck and whatnot. And I've been saying for years that they should go back to the old border. Yep. I personally think that should be the standard border. Um, I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with that, but like I, I think it just personally looks better. But I've been arguing. I'm like, why won't they reprint some of these cards with an old border? Like, come on, yep. it would be so popular. Yeah. And holy crap, and was I proven right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this year they can. And we'll work on the assumption they they told us for years and years and years it was too much work. They couldn't make well, it they, happen. It wasn't even that. It was it cannot happen. Yeah. They so, used the word can't. This year, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They put the work in and they made this happen. And it was one of the best things they've done in a long time. Hugely popular. Yep. And you basically get. So we, not every card is printed in Old Border, but we're kind of getting the best of both worlds where the vast majority of cards now, are at least that see a lot of play, are just starting to exist in both. Yep. You can buy a regular Prismatic Ending or an Old Border Prismatic Ending. You can buy a regular Force of Will or an Old Border Force of Will. You can buy a regular Force of Negation. Yep, like, 100%. And they're awesome. Yep, that they was look a, fantastic. That was a really cool thing. Starting with Time Spiral Remastered, which was obviously a horribly underprinted set that Wizards quickly realized was like, oh, crap, we need to do more of this. And they did. Well, one of the things they're going to do, I can almost guarantee you, is they'll be. I would be shocked if there's not a Time Spiral Remastered two. Yeah. Just literally, I mean, get maybe change the list a little bit, but yeah, the, just that that exact same like set. The idea of remastering sets in general. Yes. They're going to start remastering stuff, and right. in those remastered sets, obviously, they can throw in anything. Like Time Spiral wasn't just Time Spiral cards. Yeah. So, so that was that was a that, great decision. Yeah. That that's probably my biggest thing because again, as an old school player, I don't I don't crack packs very often almost never so like standard sets they come and they go for me like i don't play standard uh i buy singles so like playing these older formats and getting to use the old the retro frame in my old decks it's it just makes them look so good because like half your cards are old and half of them are new and like great example of this is like ninjas like i was when we went to that tournament in ohio the guy to my left when i was playing against uh in fact had a foiled out ninja deck I, and they had the retro frames for every one of them that yep. they could and it was beautiful it was a cool deck i got to play against and i i was drooling over his cards a yeah. lot and again a lot of them aren't even expensive especially when you're talking about things on the scale of legacy uh -huh. but it's just they're they're the card frame just looks so much better in my opinion for a lot of cards it definitely does yeah. now one of the you know one of the the detractors would say it doesn't highlight the art as much because the frame is the picture is smaller yeah um and that's there's I mean, that's just true. Yep. But the frame itself and it, overall, I think the card just looks yep. better. Especially things like like black cards and I think red cards, like just the border fits them so well. Like it does. The black card with like the black bubbling around mm -hmm. it, it just it's, it's looks it's, so good. It's a lot more flavorful. And, and the red with like the cracked rocks around it mm -hmm. crumbling. The only one I don't really like, I've never been a big fan of the white border. That's it, my least It favorite. looks very kind of washed out, yep. so... But anything that's got uh -huh, color, Derek, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you played Death and Taxes, Too bud. Bad. Uh, but yeah, it's that was probably my biggest, the nice. thing I enjoyed the most. For me, um, I'm going to say that one of the things I was the most happy about this year was probably I've got two. I'm trying to pick here what I'm the most excited about. Just and, do both. Um, 
Uh, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll quickly mention one and I'll go on the other. The one I'll quickly mention is I'm glad they powered down standard. As someone who plays standard a little bit on MTGA, uh, on Arena, I was really happy to see them bring the Throne of Eldraine power level down to where, Way I, down. where I think standard should be. And so without stepping on the Planeswalker's toes too much, I was happy to see standard start printing sets where I, I can run through it and go, yeah, none of those are definitely legacy playable. Yeah, that's like, the big thing with me is like none of those I don't need to buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't even mind buying them because, you know, I, I spend a lot of money on magic or whatever. But my biggest issue is when standard, modern and legacy are all running the same cards, you have fucked up. And yeah. I don't like cussing on this podcast much, but you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think everybody, including Wizards, would admit that considering most of those cards are banned in most of those yeah. formats. Right. And they've, they've like I said, they immediately walked it. Back. Right. So, so but the one thing that so I'm probably the most happy about is uh, the announcement that Secret Lair unique cards are making it onto the list in high print numbers. So if you look at the one thing over the last, we'll say 10 to 12 months of magic that put the worst taste in my mouth, it was probably rhymes <laughs> when they came out and they said, we're going to print walking dead and it's going to be unique cards that only exist in the secret layer and doubling down on it saying, we're not going to print them in anything else. It's just, I mean, we maybe we could we're not like we could print something different or they I think it was a different secret layer. They said they talked about in the future they might. But they kind of yeah. doubled down. They wouldn't on the Walking Dead, and they have since gone back on that and said not only are we going to print magic equivalent cards that are for all intents and purposes identical, you can't run eight, but they're also going to be on the list at relatively high print runs six months after they come out or whatever. Yeah. A, 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 a somewhat appropriate time frame. Yep, um, that's a huge. That was one of the biggest you, things that I was like legitimately furious about them doing that they just came in and solved. And they said, you know what? We were wrong and we're not going to do that. We're going to do it. What is what and it was a very clean solution too. like, I, I can't think of a better way to do that. Yep. Like that doesn't that still like, obviously you could just throw them in standard sets, but wizards has its own self-imposed rules where like sets need to all come from the same plane and stuff like that. So like they, found in my opinion the best solution that also works within all of the parameters that they set for themselves mm -hmm. where it's just like yeah i mean you're just gonna you're gonna get them as list cards that aren't really tied to any one plane or any one theme or anything like that and they're gonna be pretty common within the list and yep. i think that was a good move so let's go on matt what was something about magic this year that you weren't really happy about and i need you just to pick yeah, one. yeah so while it is it's going to be one but it's going to involve a lot of different things and that is the slow erosion of magic's identity um, between all the secret layers and the universes beyond. I think that's it's not a good long term move. In my opinion, one of the reasons why magic has lasted as long as it is is because of its IP. They made a unique IP and they've managed to handle it pretty well for the past 25 ish years. And all that stuff is slowly kind of going by the wayside. And I mean, even their like something like Strixhaven, yes, it takes place within the magic universe, but it's also heavily drawn on like Harry Potter. Like, I mean, those comparisons are very obvious. That's not mm -hmm. a reach at all. And then we've got Lord of the Rings and Warhammer 40K and Walking Dead and Street Fighter and In fairness, League of Legends. Some of these things haven't come out yet. Yeah, but they're on the horizon. Like they're like they're very much real. Yes. I mean, like the Lord of the Rings cards are probably printed. Yeah, already. well, they, they're at least designed. They may not have been like physically printed, yeah. but they've at least been designed. And that um, is definitely a, a very real step away from what magic has been for the most part. Everyone will jump in and be like, oh, well, magic's had guns with pirates and it, but magic had cars with vehicles. And it's like there's been a handful of sets that have done kind of a weird thing. But if you look at the whole of magic, the vast majority of it has fit 
a relatively consistent theme when it comes to like the uh, like the rough time period and the rough like like social structure of a lot of planes kind of yeah. fit a similar and Lord of the Rings is very much different and Warhammer 40k is very much yeah. different. And to me magic story was at its best and this is going to sound a little bit kind of like a duck because I've been playing forever right. But like around the time of the weatherlight they had a very cohesive story and it was interesting and like flavorful and the problem is they tried to do that again with the gate watch and it kind of failed and wasn't very popular and instead of trying to do it again i think they're going they're pivoting away from that kind of idea and going well we're just going to grab we're going to borrow from instead of coming up with a new idea we're going to borrow from other ideas from yep. other ips you know like and that's it's so, uh, so I don't, the story of magic is very important and i will i'll give you an example of why so my wife plays magic with us and she's been getting into it slowly. But she, I remember one time we were like tooling around the internet, like on Facebook. I think it was on YouTube. I think we saw a commercial and it was the War of the Spark trailer that they had made. It was one of the first they'd done where they made it like a legit trailer and she loved it. And we spent like five minutes watching it and rewatching it and being like, oh yeah, that's Liliana. And then and I, here's her backstory. And then yep. that's Nicol Bolas. And here's what he's, and that's, that's Gideon. That's what, you know, here's what Gideon is working towards. And, and she was completely enthralled with like just how cool the story was paired with this little kind of graphic teaser to kind of sum it all up at the end. Like that that gave her a whole new appreciation for magic and she was way more excited to get into it. I've spent hours myself on YouTube watching Magic Arcanum, which I don't know if it's still going, but it was just a YouTube channel of, I can't remember his name, it's been too long since I've seen it, but he would just do magic lore and he would just go through um, the Bolas brothers or uh, Ugin and Bolas, his their story, and he just for like twenty minutes run through what happened, start to finish with them, and Sarkon and Liliana and the Oath Pact and or the the Guild Pact, like all that. Like it's really really cool, and the story is kind of getting eaten away by now. There's Frodo's story, and now there's I don't know what happens in Warhammer, but I've seen some pretty gruesome clips on the internet. Yep. Like well, one of the things to keep in mind here is there's an opportunity cost to everything you do. And the more time, like that Lord of the Rings set could have been Dominaria too. Could have. Yeah, yep. I mean, I know they're doing like Return to Dominaria and stuff like that. But like everything they're doing could be growing the magic mm -hmm. lore. And instead it's injecting stuff that doesn't, I don't want to say doesn't belong, but for lack of a better term, doesn't belong in here. Like it's Lord not, of the Rings is not magic. It's not Watson. Correct. And is I, again, I don't even really like the D&D &D edition. That's the one... The I liked only it. one where I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. I was into it. I liked and it. And a lot of people did. And we talked about, and yep. again, I don't have to like everything. Mm -hmm. That's 100% fine. I don't think the D&D &D set did great damage to Magic's lore or anything. I think it's, it's again, it's the only one that made any sense at all. But every time we're doing like that Warhammer 40k set, that those commander decks or whatever, those could be new commanders from... There's legendary creatures that people see on flavor text and hear about and read about, and yep. they're not cards yet. Every one of those, and that I mean, that's going to happen that year. That's that year's commander sets. So instead of getting a cool Miri deck, mm -hmm. you're going to get some dude from Warhammer 40k yeah. who, I mean, most of us, I shouldn't say most, but you know, not everybody who plays Magic plays Warhammer 40k. So it's going to be a bunch of people you have no idea what it's yeah, about. Exactly. Like if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, sorry. I yeah, Lord of the Rings is going to be a lot of me asking Matt, who's that guy? What's he do? Why is he? Correct. Why is he a card? Yeah. And the, again, I keep bringing it up just because it's the one that's real raw to me because I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and it 100 should not be in Magic, and we've talked about that before. But that 
it's one of those things it's going to take time to see the damage this is doing and i just wish wizards was thinking a little bit long term longer term yeah yep so one thing that i was not super excited about this year and it's another kind of over encompassing um arc of an idea is the forced rotation that wizards has put our eternal formats through and i include modern in that you know i guess vintage hasn't seen much forced rotation but legacy and modern are both dominated by modern horizons 2 and some remnants from modern horizons the decks that are on top of the metas are heavily 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 influenced by these brand new cards and a lot of people will say that's a good thing because it's new blood and it's interesting and it's different and i'm okay with that as long as it doesn't keep happening but it kind of keeps happening the cost of these eternal formats including modern is very real and forcing these to rotate is very unsustainable you know you have a one it goes against the core identity of the format yeah it's not it's not eternal anymore when every year a new modern horizon set comes out and just shakes everything up because the idea of legacy especially was you can build death and taxes and it's solid you can build blue red delver and it's solid you can build blue white control blue red delver still is very solid. no i know what you mean yeah the, the list is fairly i don't want it's not set in stone but fairly not going to change much yeah it's not going to change much and that was the idea like yeah blue red delver still on top but blue red if you showed up with blue red delver that you built two years ago it'd be a joke compared to what blue red delver is now like yep. you need a lot of money to make blue red delver what it is today you need a lot, you know, you need to buy a lot of cards to make um, a control deck today when you might have had a very good control deck a year ago. And modern is no different where a lot of the modern decks that were on top of their game eight months ago to a year ago, while they may still exist, they are very, very different. And I buy into these eternal formats with the goal of not having to keep buying a bunch of cards, not investing hundreds of more dollars into my multiple thousand dollar deck every year. And this Modern Horizons printing strategy is doing yep. that. Well, and and going back even a little further, that's what Throne of Eldraine was. Yep. I mean, like we talked about, where Throne of Eldraine was, here's more cards, guys. I mean, Oko completely yep. dominated well, Legacy. Throne of Eldraine and then uh, Theros with Uro and Kroxa. Like just War of the Spark with the Planeswalkers. The, um, the Corset with the green one. What's one green? You can't be countered. Oh, <laughs> uh, Veil of Summer. Veil of Summer. Yeah. Like, we, we just we just saw like card after card after card that are these like staples in the format and completely changing the format. I don't want that to happen. I don't that want often. forced rotation that often. And so like one of the things we've said on this podcast is if, if MH2 comes out and it shakes up all the metas and if you if we can come back in five years or in, or in three years and the metas look relatively the same as they do now, then I'm not upset about it. What I'm upset about is Modern Horizons 3 might be coming out next year, might do this again. And my legacy deck becomes that much more out of tune. And my modern deck becomes that much more out of tune. And I'm like, well, I spent $800 on this modern deck. I guess I need to spend another $200 for these new pitch spells they printed. And I need a full play set because they're so good. Yeah, well, I mean, in my opinion, the perfect example of what you're talking about is legacy blue red delver. You went from the stock list before Modern Horizons 2 had three volcanic islands. Now you need a fourth volcanic island. So there's another eight or $900. Two more steam vents, which on the legacy end of it aren't... But it, it, it enforces the idea that well, I definitely need that fourth. If I'm running two steam vents, I have to have that fourth volcanic for Ragavan for Merktide. Like yeah. that's a you're talking about fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. You're easily over. You're well over a thousand dollars away from the tiered blue red Delver deck you used to have. Yep. And 
I don't I don't like that. that's that's one of my complaints about um, the printing practices of the year is we've seen it really culminate this year and just the meta shakeups have been a little too much. I mean, well, I get what they could be fun to play in a world where cards are free, like it's a ton of fun to play. But when you have to buy all these cards every every other month well, like, and on top of that, the I, the whole point of playing legacy is playing with old cards. A little bit, yeah. So not sure. only am I playing with a bunch I, of new cards, I, I'm also playing people playing a bunch of new cards. I think a big part of Legacy also is playing with power. Yeah, Not, it is. not like deep power, but like powerful cards. Now, a lot of that's been older stuff. But yeah, like a big a big draw to it is getting to play with these older powerful cards and newer powerful cards. And now the newer powerful cards are squeezing out the older powerful yep. cards. Or getting them banned. But that's our, that, that's kind of our, like our, yep, our, our ups and downs. Um, I, I do want to give one extra shout out to something great that happened this year that Matt and I got to discover. And it was a really cool community that we got to become a part of as content creators. Yes, we have absolutely. Our, our regular fans, we see you guys every single week. Um, you know, we're still a small channel. I know Matt does too. I check the numbers on our podcast every day. I'm always yep. looking at ratings or reviews. I'm always looking at comments. Checking out Twitter and the Facebook group to engage with you guys. Like, Same thing with Discord. It is it, 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 it is super crazy that people every week wake up and give a shit what we have to say. And we're super happy that we get to communicate with you guys, even if it's just the one-way communication where we get to put on an episode and you get to hear us or even if you get to reach out to us and we get to talk to you it's awesome and that's that's one of the biggest highlights for my, for me this year in magic oh, absolutely was, like all the bad things going on in magic have the silver lining of at least we get to complain about them to you guys. and yep. we also get to share the good things yep. like and that's that's you know nothing's the, nothing's better than hopping on the podcast one week and just getting to talk about how awesome stuff is happening like right? We love that. And we love Gavin. You guys give your opinion on whether you agree with us or disagree with us on the good things and the bad things. So I, I would be remiss if I ended the year without giving a big thank you to everybody who tunes in and listens, even if it's your first time or your 20th time. We're super happy yeah, to have you. be happier. We're having a great time. Well, Matt, is there anything else before I start wrapping us up? Can't wait to see some new ninjas. Pretty excited to see some new ninjas. You see the new uh, Umazawa I card? I did, and I can't remember for the life of me what he does. He basically gives all the creatures in your hand. Oh yeah, yeah. Ninjutsu. He makes he's show and tell. He's Emrakul, dude. He makes Emrakul ninjas. He makes your creatures. So <laughs> that's so awesome. A little bit of a spoiler if you want to go check it out. He's he's been spoiled. Go check him out. But that's our little. Go check out the new Umazawa card. He gives all of your creatures ninjas for four. For it's four. not their CMC. It's four. Yep. So so whole oh, crap. <laughs> As we wrap our episode up, I do want to give one final shout out to the Planesuckers podcast. Our last shout out this year to Will and Aramis. Check them out. Absolutely. Check them out. Yep. We got to be on their show. So check out their new their episode coming out on Wednesday, which actually be the day before this comes out. Their episode should be out. Um, their episodes are available pretty much everywhere ours is. So if you're listening to us, then you're on a website that carries the Planesuckers podcast. They're also Planes Talkers pretty much everywhere. So you yep. can Google them. Hit up their Twitch, twitch.com forward slash Planesuckers podcast, and absolutely join the Discord, discord.planesuckerspodcast.com. Make sure and come in, say hi to everybody, and tell them that we sent you, and then come to our channel on the Discord and say hello to us. Yeah, as screw well. those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. If you, head, if you head over there and join their podcast, they do giveaways all the time. They give away tons of commander product, they give away tons of sealed product, they give away boxes. They're incredibly generous. Will and Aramis are a lot more generous than we can afford to be right now. So check them out. Join that. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook page. It's just Cantrip Cartel on Facebook. And you can even follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. Other than that, Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting for our last episode of the year? No, uh, just want to say thanks again. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you very much. And we will see you guys next year. I'm going to go ahead and 
uh, fetch for Steam Vents and play Ragavan. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs>